0: Today, we talk about something that's become a staple of entertainment for teenagers, young adults, and, well, let's be honest, adults too. We talk about the topic's history, how it got started, my main memories of it, and where it is now. It's had its shares of ups and downs, great moments and low moments. What started out as a rather simple idea morphed into a behemoth that spawned countless memories for hundreds of people. It's hard. Nay. It's impossible to please all of the masses from sea to shining sea, but hey, can't say that they don't actively try. Join me as I take a look at Cartoon Network. Hello, I'm Giancarlo Nubio and this is the Nostalgic Journal, a podcast dedicated to looking back at some of the things that I enjoyed in my youth and trying to figure out why. So why Cartoon Network? Well, over the years, I've always seemed to gravitate towards this particular network. And since the last episode where we talked about Saturday morning cartoons, it felt like the perfect segue into something that we briefly brushed over in our last topic. Channels Dedicated to Cartoons As mentioned before, there was an influx of cartoon channels as the market for them grew. I'm choosing to talk about Cartoon Network because I think it has a pretty neat history, and I remember a lot about it. Since this podcast is called The Nostalgic Journal, I think it would be more meaningful if I talk about things I actually watched and remember. Don't you? But Cartoon Network hardly looks like it did when it first launched. Eh... uh, programming-wise. Aesthetically, it's the same thing. Black and white color scheme logo, all that, you know. <laughs> that didn't change. So let's take a walk through a little bit of history in regards to the network. In 1986, the Turner Broadcasting System acquired MGM from Kirk Kirkorian due to concerns over the debt load of his companies. Turner Broadcasting ended up selling MGM back to Kirkorian after only 74 days. But, Turner kept much of the film and television library made prior to May 1986. This led to the formation of Turner Entertainment, a division of the Turner Broadcasting System tasked with overseeing its newly acquired library. This led to Turner owning pre-1948 color Looney Tunes shorts, Merry Melody shorts, and Popeye cartoons. In 1988, they dipped into the basic cable waters and launched Turner Network Television, TNT, they took full advantage of their newly acquired library (laughs) do you you remember that weird logo that played at the end of some of the turner shows you know the the starry space background the the blue oval logo with the silver finish and and it you know that thing floated in front of a turquoise colored planet and then there was like this superhero fanfare playing in the background You know, I always was disappointed whenever I saw that because I thought it was the start of another show when in reality it was just the logo. It was an ident. Uh, It's just like the moon stage on DuckTales. You know, the video game DuckTales. the, The moon stage. You remember the moon stage? It has awesome music but could probably have been placed elsewhere like the credits. Huh. In 1991, Turner Entertainment bought Hanna-Barbera Productions for $320 million. And in the following year, they announced that it had plans to launch a new network. A network called Cartoon Network. It would serve as an outlet for all those newly acquired cartoons. Then on October 1st, 1992, the channel launched. It played the Star Spangled Banner, which was common for any new Turner owned network to play upon initial launch. However, this particular launch featured a person wandering into the screen, placing dynamite in a field, and then blowing the dynamite up. And with that, Cartoon Network was born. The first program featured was new and old. I guess it's a precursor to what they were planning on doing with reutilizing old characters and new scenarios. It was called Droopy's Guide to the Cartoon Network, and featured new voiceovers, i.e. Droopy, and recycled animation of said Droopy. It introduced viewers to what Cartoon Network was all about. By the time the channel launched, it had about 8,500 hours of cartoons in their library. Needless to say, the channel had plenty of programming. Since Turner also owned TNT, they decided to air a programming block on the network with programming from Cartoon Network to see if they could appeal to more people. Cartoon Network was not only the very first channel solely dedicated to cartoons, it was also the first network to offer them 24-7. This was largely thanks to CNN. Weird, right? Well, here's the deal. Turner Broadcasting had initially launched CNN as the first channel to ever provide 24-hour news coverage, to surprising success. Turner wanted to do it yet again, but with Cartoon Network, hoping to find the same amount of success. I'm fairly sure they nailed it. The network ran shows typically with a theme. Uh, There were shows like Down With Droopy D, that's down wit, W-I-T, Droopy D, And, um, which ran old droopy dog shorts. The Tom and Jerry Show played classic cartoons of the same namesake. Bugs and Daffy Tonight played classic Looney Tunes. Late Night Black and White showed early black and white cartoons, etc. But the biggest challenge Cartoon Network faced in its early years was overcoming its pretty low availability among cable service providers. However, this was eventually remedied due to packaged deals. New subscribers to channels like TNT and TBS could also get access to Cartoon Network because they all belong to Turner Broadcasting. You know? It's sort of... Is is that what Synergy is? Pretty sure that's what Synergy is. Anyway, thanks to the package deals, more and more people began to discover Cartoon Network, which resulted in pretty high ratings. This, of course, led to more cable companies wanting to include it. By the end of 1994, it became the fifth most popular cable channel in the whole United States. Well, not bad for a network all about cartoons. With Cartoon Network experiencing high popularity, it was decided that they would try their hand at some original programming. Their first exclusive show was the Moxie show. The first original show was apparently a hybrid of CGI and cartoon. The main character, Moxie, was played by Bobcat Goldwaith, and the sidekick named Flea was played by Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller. The show only produced two episodes, with the second replacing Penn with Chris Rock, for whatever reason. It's definitely an interesting watch if you're curious enough, somewhere on the internet. With their growing popularity and their experiments in making new network bumpers with classic cartoon characters, putting them in new situations, Cartoon Network decided to fully develop its first original series in-house, and in 1994... A Superhero Got a Talk Show. And then Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, was made. Despite the fact that it consisted mostly of recycled animation cells from the archives of Hanna-Barbera, it was pretty well received. It was an ironic deconstruction of a talk show, which featured live-action guests who were presumably past their time. I mean, prime. Past their prime. I'm keeping that in. This was where Cartoon Network began to garner appeal from an older audience. People who became tired of the original cartoons, but could appreciate the recasting of a 1960s superhero by Hanna-Barbera as the star of a spoof talk show. This was arguably the first time the network successfully revived a classic animated icon in an entirely new context for comedic purposes. This led to the creation of promotional shorts like The Scooby-Doo Project, which was a parody of The Blair Witch Project. Both of these sparked new interest in the characters and shows. Unfortunately, not all of Cartoon Network's revival efforts were met with success. When it came to Ren and Stimpy creator John Crecfalusi's take on the Ranger Smith, Yogi Bear, and Boo Boo characters in the specials A Day in the Life of Ranger Smith and Boo Boo Runs Wild, they were met with minimal success. The style of humor, sexual content, and the break in tone from the source material seemed a little too out of place at the time. It led to Cartoon Network to simply stop airing them and never refer to them again. Personally, I think those specials along with Ren and Stimpy in general were ahead of their time. I mean, way, way ahead of their time. If those shows initially aired nowadays, I have no doubt in my mind that they would just immediately find their audience. Ironically enough, the spin-off channel Adult Swim sporadically airs either one or two of the specials, meeting with a much more welcoming audience. With the success of their original programming, Cartoon Network Studios was founded and it started production on what <laughs> This was when Cartoon Network really started to develop its own thing, slowly shifting from broadcasting classic cartoons to making their own. This led to the creation of, well, what was just announced a second ago, a show called What a Cartoon! With an exclamation mark at the end, that's really important. Headed by Cartoon Network executives John Krekfalusi, yep, him again, who was serving as an advisor for Cartoon Network along with Fred Sabert. I want to say Sherbert, but I know that's not how you say it, who was formerly one of the driving forces behind Nickelodeon's Nicktoons. (laughs) What a Cartoon offered original animated shorts that were commissioned from Hanna-Barbera and other various independent animators. So the variety of cartoons was pretty staggering. The show was promoted as an attempt to return to the classic days of studio animation, offering full animator control, high budgets, and no limited animation. It was pretty doggone amazing. Cartoon Network was able to assess the potential of certain shorts to serve as pilots for spin-off series. What a Cartoon! Served as a launching point for shows we might not have gotten a chance to see otherwise. Shows like The Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, Courage the Cowardly Dog, Mike, Lou, and Og, Sheep in the Big City, Whatever Happened to Robot Jones, Codenamed Kids Next Door, Grim and Evil, which led to the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy along with Evil Con Carne, Megas XLR, and most notably Fox's Family Guy, which at the time went under the name of Larry and Steve. Definitely worth a check out. There was a lot, of more, there was a lot more frames in that pilot, if I recall correctly. In 1999, with the creation of their newest, at the time, show, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Cartoon Network had managed to create a lineup of critically acclaimed shows. This led to the newly named Cartoon Cartoon, formerly known as the What a Cartoon Show with an exclamation mark, which would prominently air on Fridays. It became the marquee night for premieres of new episodes and series that began in June. That was the uh, Cartoon Cartoon theme song, in case you were wondering. In 1996, Cartoon Network tried their hand in preschool programming, choosing Sunday morning to air them. They hired companies like Children's Television Workshop, the makers of Sesame Street, to make a show called Big Bag, a live-action-slash-puppet television program, and Small World, which showcased several segments from children's TV programming from several other countries. It didn't last too long, presumably because they just didn't get the views to justify production. They ended in 1998 and 2001, respectively. In 1997, they launched Toonami, which consisted of action cartoons and anime. They showed anime like Sailor Moon, Tenshi Muyo, Gundam Wing, and Dragon Ball Z. It was initially hosted by Moltar from the Space Ghost franchise until 1999, where hosting duties were given to a completely new and original character developed just for the segment. A muscular teenaged robot by the name of Tom. Voiced by the man whose voice seems to be everywhere, Steve Bloom. I met him. He's a super cool guy. He choked me once for a photo op. That did sounded a lot better in my head. I've got to post it somewhere. It was great. He's a nice guy. (laughs) Anyway, it was around the year 2000, sounds futuristic, that the network decided to launch a spin-off channel called Boomerang. This particular channel would feature much of the programming that had dominated Cartoon Network's early years. With a rather fitting tagline, it's all coming back to you. Thanks to this new network, they got to continue airing their classic library while making room for the new programming. We now enter the years I was personally glued to this network. I would say it would be between the years 2000 and 2007. Shows like Sheep in the Big City, Time Squad, one of my favorites, and Samurai Jack premiered around 2001. Also in that same year, Adult Swim debuted. Alright, attention swimmers. Swimmer. got some announcements to make here. Sunday's at 10. It's all kids out of the pool for adult swim. You can't just decide to go swimming whenever you want. That's when there'll be new. Count them new shows. New shows. Oh, movies. Who went wee-wee in my canteen? Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Look at my freaking car. A brag show. You fell. Um, your father and race were... But Harvey Bergman, attorney at law, Z 2021. You broke the monitor and you're dead. Happy Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. And Space Ghost Coast to Coast. This is Willie Nelson. No kids under 17, though. So that's new, too. Sunday at 10, an swim on Cartoon Network. <laughs> this was my favorite iteration of it. The very first version of Adult Swim centered around the fact that kids had to be shooed away and it was time for the adults to sit in and watch some cartoons tailored to their tastes. Obviously, I disregarded this and watched anyway. The public swimming pool aesthetic was really neat because they did things like featured bumpers that were in between the shows that was sort of like a first aid instructional booklet that you would find at an actual pool. Uh, Except uh, the articles inside would feature adult swim characters and not so much uh, normal first aid behavior or procedures. Uh, For instance, like Bender from Futurama pilfering a wallet from somebody who's unconscious on the ground instead of giving them CPR. I found that funny. In 2003, Fridays continued to feature new cartoons, and Cartoon Network began to air acquired shows like Totally Spies. It was during this year that Cartoon Network premiered new shows like the much underrated and never loved enough Megas XLR, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, the incredibly popular Teen Titans, and another favorite of mine Hi Hi Puffy AmiYumi. <laughs> Hi, hi, Puffy Ami Yumi. I even got an Ami plush. I would have gotten the Yumi plush too, but of course they were sold out before I could get one, and it was in the convention that was in, like, I think next to Colorado? No, it was Missouri. I don't... Anyway. <laughs> Code Lyoko was also acquired around this time. I'm just throwing that out there. They also refitted their logo to what we usually see nowadays, with the letters C and N being the centerpiece, with their slogan being, This is Cartoon Network. This was when the network started to do something that I would cherish to this very day. They would air bumpers with all of their original characters interacting with not just each other, but a cityscape that is compiled of all of their shows. Uh, if you get, for instance, like a, a Frankie from Foster's Home uh, from Imaginary Friends trying to park in a parking spot somewhere in the city Tries to park in front of the town hall, which was from the Powerpuff Girls, but the Mary yells at her for it. Uh, she tries to park next to a creepy haunted house, but gets shooed away by Scooby-Doo's creeper. And she drives around in circles in Ed and Nettie's cul-de-sac, not finding a parking spot because, you know, it's a cul-de-sac. There's also one where Johnny Bravo and Samurai Jack happen to be doing laundry at the same time at a public laundromat. One of my personal favorites is Blue from Foster's Home, teasing Ami and Yumi from Hi Hi Puffy Ami Yumi. Uh, The girls are playing on the sidewalk with an open guitar case, you know, playing for tips. And Blue just shouts at them, you know, ha, get a real job before running away. Well, that one and the one where Dexter goes on a date with Velma from Scooby-Doo and... Oh, man, I lived for those bumpers. If you ever get curious, I implore you to look them up. Just search... Cartoon Network City Bumpers. That's Cartoon Network City Bumpers. Bumpers being the little things that plays in between. Do it. Do it. They're amazing. Hello, Professor. Do you have car trouble? Oh, it seems I've locked my keys in the car. That is serious. Please! Well, I... Is there a problem, Professor? Oh, hello, number one. I seem to have locked myself out of my car. And now he is out of cheese. (gasps) Cracker! I'll need some 2 by 4s I'll be right back. Bring more cheese! Hey, it's no problem. I'll just call my auto club. <laughs> How many geniuses does it take to unlock a car door? <laughs> and the tunes kept on coming, with 2006 seeing the premieres of Squirrel Boy, Class of 3000, three made-for-TV movies, Codename Kids Next Door, Operation Zero, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Goodwilt Hunting, and Reanimated, the latter being Cartoon Network's first TV movie consisting of live-action and animation, and it, uh, it wouldn't be the last time live-action would be pursued on the network. No, sir. In 2007, due to a massive debacle in which an overly elaborate promotional stunt centering around Adult Swim's Aqua Teen Hunger Force went horribly wrong, uh, look up Boston Bomb Scare on Wiki for more information on it. Executive Vice President Jim Samples resigned from the network as a result, with Stuart Snyder being named the successor. This was also the year that the network saw an influx of shows from Canadian sister network Teletoon, George of the Jungle, Sixteen, Bakugan, etc. Also a neat thing to note, from 2007 to 2009, every October they would air 40 episodes of Fox's Goosebumps, which was awesome for a nostalgia buff like me! Also, from 2008 to 2010, Cartoon Network aired animated shorts called Wedgies that would air between shows or any time to fill some airtime. It featured shows like The Talented Mr. Bixby, uh, Nacho Bear, Big Baby, and The Bremen Avenue Experience. They were all received pretty positively. I'm kind of sad that they actually didn't get actual shows. They're funny. They're fun. In June 2009, my birthday month no less, Cartoon Network introduced a block of live-action reality shows called CN Real. It also aired limited sports programming and began to air live-action feature films from Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema. Now, call me crazy, but when you start airing live-action shows on a channel called Cartoon Network, there's a there's a possibility it won't do too well. In 2011, we got the premieres of Adventure Time, Regular Show, The Amazing World of Gumball, uh, to name a few. An interesting note, a show called The Problem Solvers with a Z premiered that year too. It was originally planned for Adult Swim, but was deemed too cute. So it was retooled to air on Cartoon Network, but the style remained the same, which is kind of surreal because the style itself looked like it was meant for Adult Swim. I mean, if you look it up, you'll see what I mean. It's just... Screams Adult Swim but the content inside is like, oh, it's not it's not weird at all. Well, it is weird, but it's not bad at all. By the end of 2011, we saw the end of all, if not most of the live action shows on the network. Uh, that is uh, until 2012 when they did decide to acquire The High Fructose Adventures of Annoying Orange because reasons. So how come Cartoon Network played such a big part in my life? As I've covered in the last episode, times change. Cartoons started to have a bigger presence on television. And what a cartoon provided animators a way to be discovered at a massive scale at an alarming rate, which produced lots of new shows which gave us a level of variety that we have never seen before. Unfortunately, in my opinion anyway, unlike Cartoon Network, the spin-off channel Boomerang underwent a rather drastic channel drift due to low ratings. While Cartoon Network's programming remained relatively the same, Boomerang went from all classic cartoons all the time to the classic cartoons now being given the graveyard time slots, while the daytime time slots are given to more recent cartoons that don't air in the regular Cartoon Network channel anymore. Lost are the little bumpers and TV idents that featured like little vintage toys that would be based on the cartoons that they would play. And in exchange, an almost cloned aesthetic to the main Cartoon Network channel. But I guess after 15 years of running the same programming with all classic tunes all the time, same bumpers, same everything, with practically no changes at all, I mean, I guess eventually the ratings are going to drop. I mean, that's just how TV works. It sucks, but that's how it works. Oh, hey, I almost forgot a little trivia fact before we part ways. That cartoon, cartoon theme I played earlier? Well, there's actually three versions of it. The first one is the one I played, fully orchestrated, you know, your standard fare. The second one is a little bit of a half-karaoke, half-orchestration hybrid with characters from the various popular Cartoon Network shows at the time singing along with the song. The third, as far as I know, has never made it on the air. It's never been... I mean, I can't say it's never been heard, but at least not many people have had a chance to hear it. No instruments, no nothing, just the characters singing a cappella. It seems like almost just a bunch of guys just getting together and and, and just having a good time. And I think that's one—that uh, that's the version that, ironically enough, even though I've never heard it on television links me to that part of what I liked about Cartridge Network the most when I watched it. It reminds me of that time because all of the characters are just coming together and just having a good time and having a good time with friends. Is there nothing else more nostalgic than that? I don't know. But hey, that's just another entry in my nostalgic journal. One, two, three, four. Cartoon, cartoon, Riders. Cartoon, cartoon, writing. Two cartoons, <laughs> Friday. Mm. Uh, uh, <coughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Is that it? <laughs> no, that is not it. if you have any suggestions on what i should cover in my next episode or have any input whatsoever drop it in a review on itunes you can also drop me a line on my twitter at nickabocker that's at n-i-c-k-a-b-o-c-k-e-r The Nostalgic Journal's theme song is by Hugo Kant. This has been a production of Grandstand Radio. Thanks for listening.